0: Welcome once again to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline. We serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. At Home in Your Hymnal is a program designed to help you be more at home in your hymnal, in the divine service, in your private and family devotions to know who we are as Lutheran Christians, why we worship as we do as Lutheran Christians. This is episode 46, and for the last several episodes, we've been looking at Lutheran hymnody, many hymns that uh, we're suggesting it would be worthy for Lutherans to learn and know and memorize. We're looking at communion hymns or Lord's Supper hymns right now, and as you heard as we entered into our program today, we're going to be looking at hymn 636, LSB 636, Soul Adorn Yourself with Gladness, a hymn that is uh, very, very well known in Lutheran circles. It's been around for many centuries. It is a great hymn with regard to the doctrine and practice of the Lord's Supper and the hymn that we're going to be looking at in great detail today, Pastor Moline. What do you think of this hymn?
1: Oh, it's one of those ones that I always enjoy singing, and uh, you know, a, a really good one for us to learn and and study. And you know, we've already had a little bit of a background in it because we've already talked about the author a little bit, Johann Franck, when we did. Um, Oh boy, just drew a blank there. Uh, We did a hymn by him not very long ago. Jesus, priceless treasure. There it is. A hymn by him.
0: H y m n by h i m. -M. A hymn by him. It's been one of those days. So. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, your your dog has uh, gotten out of dog prison now, so you'll be fine.
1: (laughs) Well, he's in dog prison for a while. He was eating our tomatoes, so.
0: Yeah, well, you know, you can't you can't have everything. No, you can't have everything. So, uh, tell us a little bit about this author then, uh, since um, uh, we're going to be looking at this hymn. just briefly. What what do we know about Johann Franck?
1: Yeah, Johann Franck. Uh, he's a seventeenth century Lutheran. Uh, he is uh, born in sixteen eighteen, dies in sixteen seventy seven, uh, and so he you know he sees quite a bit of the. Um, uh, 30 years war during his lifetime as well as he grew up. Uh, he was born in Brandenburg, Germany, and uh, he was a law student at the University of Konigsberg and uh, practiced uh, law during the war. In fact, he's uh, uh, one of the the authors of hymns that is used very frequently in Johann Sebastian Bach. Uh, he has got several hymns, I think three or four in our hymnal, and uh, uh, just kind of a, a neat guy in that regard.
0: This, uh, this hymn was originally written in nine stanzas and uh, appeared very, very early in uh, his life and in the uh, Lutheran Church. It was under the title of Preparation for the Holy Communion, and it was first published and sung in 1649. 1649, he's only 31 years old yeah. when uh, when this hymn is already being used, and, and it's been included in many, if not most, Lutheran hymnals. Uh, since that time, it has a
1: long, long uh, and storied history, the uh, Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, that, that year is interesting, and, and I guess I can't guarantee this, but uh, uh, 1648 would be the last year of the Thirty Years' War, which had been going for his entire life. And so uh, a hymn like this, soul-adorn-yourself-with-gladness, probably fits right in with the end of Thirty Years of War and much death and mayhem uh, at that time as well.
0: In the uh, Lutheran hymnal companion, it says... Uh, This is without a doubt a great hymn, Small Wonder, that Julian states. Now, I don't know who this Julian would be. Do you know? Um, Let me look it up. It
1: sounds familiar. I think he's a famous. uh, Was he a musician or a political
0: ruler? I have to look it up. Okay. Well, this is the quote from Julian. This hymn is perhaps the finest of all German hymns for the Holy Communion. It is an exhortation to the soul to arise and draw near to partake of the heavenly food and to meditate on the wonders of heavenly love, ending with a prayer for final reception of the eternal feast.
1: Yeah, I I guess I'm not 100% sure who Julian is. I know there's a famous guy who does work on Bach things called Julian Minkum, uh, but I don't know if that's the same guy.
0: Okay. Well, it's uh, it's not the son of John Lennon. We know that. No. That but be, uh, uh, no. just to uh, um, give you that little bit of historical background, this, this has been considered a uh, – Uh, an all-time great hymn in Lutheranism. And as we examine it, we'll see if the uh, content lives up to it. Pastor, do you want to read the words of verse 1? LSB 636, soul, adorn yourself
1: with gladness. Soul, adorn yourself with gladness. Leave the gloomy haunts of sadness. Come into the daylight's splendor. There with joy your praises render. Bless the one whose grace unbounded this amazing banquet founded. He, though heavenly high and holy, deigns to dwell with you most lowly. Now, we have a lot
0: of flowery poetic language here, and uh, it's amazing that even in the midst of this flowery poetic language, we have some great doctrine and theology that is conveyed to us. So, let's, uh, let's begin. Soul, adorn yourself with gladness. What's, uh, what's happening in that first line, Pastor.
1: Well, um, first off, I mean, maybe to to talk about it, in this world, oftentimes we don't have gladness, and I think what's happening here is the idea that this man has found his gladness in the Lord, and the idea of adorning or decorating or beautifying yourself uh, makes one think as well, and and this might be a stretch to begin with, but we get farther in the hymn, we'll see maybe this idea clearly. Uh, It is kind of a reference to baptism, where we are clothed in the robe of Christ's righteousness, or uh, in Ephesians 5 talks about how Christ, the bridegroom, uh, cleanses and washes the bride, the church, so that she is beautiful and full of splendor. And so we have that idea here being kind of brought across here in this very first line, which is going to be a contrast to the line that follows it. Yes, the,
0: the next line in stanza one, leave the gloomy haunts of sadness. So we have this uh, sadness and gladness. Uh, contradicted here come into the daylight's splendor there with joy your praises render what kind of daylight are we talking about here pastor are we just talking about moving from darkness to light or could something else be implied there as well
1: well to begin with yeah it does have the idea of darkness to light in the sense that uh, the light is much more calming for us because we can see what things are and where we're walking and what's coming towards us uh, and so there is always a little bit more calm and peace in the light rather than in the dark where those things are hidden we have theological meaning then also behind it that Jesus is the light of the world the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it and so he's the thing that lights everything up. And that idea is further carried through in the book of Revelation where uh, in the kingdom that is to come, uh, there will be no sun or moon for the glory of God itself will light the entire kingdom uh, of heaven. And so we have that idea as well. So all these pictures being brought together into those words um, in one one little phrase.
0: In this uh, preparation for the Lord's Supper, the next line says, bless the one whose grace unbounded this amazing banquet founded, this uh, unbounded grace. What's that a reference to, Pastor?
1: Well, this is referring to Jesus Christ, who is the one who instituted the Lord's Supper on the night when he was betrayed. Uh, it's a reference to him. It's very poetic. It's probably not clear yet, but as we get further on, we'll know very clearly that this is Jesus that we're talking about. And his grace unbounded is the grace which he bestows upon his Christians earned by the cross and resurrection.
0: The banquet is a clear reference to the Lord's Supper. Definitely. And then in the very last part, it's probably the most uh, theologically significant line in this uh, first stanza. He, though heavenly, high, and holy, deigns to dwell with you most lowly. What's going on here, Pastor?
1: Well, it's um, a reality that God, who is... The Holy One came down to earth and took on our human flesh to live amongst us uh, in the person of Jesus Christ, of course, to win forgiveness of sins. But not just that, that incarnational reality is still true for the church here and now today, because every time uh, we gather together in the name of the Lord, he is present among us. When we uh, begin worship in his name and end it in his name, all the things that happen between baptism, the sermons, uh, the, the singing of hymns, the liturgy of the Lord's Supper. Uh, All that stuff is Jesus truly present here with us, the God who created everything dwelling amongst it amongst us.
0: Let's listen to stanza one of soul adorn yourself with gladness. I'll try to my best to get her cued up here. And there we go. Stanza 1, LSB 636, Soul, Adorn Yourself with Gladness. Uh, Beautiful hymn, beautiful teaching, and uh, marvelous poetry as well, talking about the soul that is down and out and is lifted up by the unbounded grace of God in this heavenly banquet we call the Lord's Supper. Pastor, the uh, second verse is... uh, closely connected to the first verse. Verses 1 and 2 are based on Isaiah 61, verse 10. Do you want to read uh, verse 2 of this hymn, and then we'll play it going into our first break?
1: Yeah. Hasten as a bride to meet him, and with loving reverence greet him, for with words of life immortal, he is knocking at your portal. Open wide the gates before him, saying as you there adore him, grant Lord that I now receive you, that I never more will leave you.
0: Okay, we're going to listen to stanza two of LSB 636 as we go into our first break. Don't change that dial. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. This is episode 46. We're looking at hymn 636 out of Lutheran service book, Soul, Adorn Yourself with Gladness. We're looking at communion hymns, hymns every Lutheran should know. And uh, we just heard as we went out for our first break Uh, stanza two and we also heard a portion of stanza two when we came back from that break as well hasten as a bride to meet him and with loving reverence greet him what is this bride stuff all about pastor
1: well, as you mentioned uh, before we went to break, it is starting with a reference of um, uh, to Isaiah 61, but then there's also these other pictures throughout the pages of Scripture. Uh, for example, in Ezekiel, uh, in Ephesians 5, where the relationship between God and his people is referred to as the relationship between a groom and a bride. We, uh, as the people of God, being the bride and he being the groom. Uh, the groom then serves the bride, gives everything he has to take care of the bride, and we, as the bride, then hear his word and respect and, and honor him. And uh, this picture then between husband and wife really reflects the picture of the church and Christ in, in many different ways. And that's what this reference here is to as well. You uh,
0: Do you have, by any chance, Isaiah 61, verse 10? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in
1: front of you. You want to read that? I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. So
0: you can see the imagery from both Stanza 1 and Stanza 2 coming out here very, very well. A a marvelous passage from Isaiah 61 there. Uh, Pastor, in uh, Stanza 2, it says, uh, He is knocking at your portal. uh, For with words of life immortal, he is knocking at your portal. I can't help but think about that uh, image from Revelation 3, where, behold, I stand at the door and knock. One of the most... um, abused and misunderstood passages in all of Scripture. And one of the ones that's in the most stained-glass windows in Lutheran churches. There you go. So uh, is is this a reference to Revelation 3?
1: I think it is to a certain extent, but we can't take that... Um independent of all the rest of scripture as well. So we also have scenes in, for example, the Song of Solomon where the uh, the bridegroom it knocks on the door of the, the bride and even then more intimate pictures that flow out of it that maybe uh, Pastor Poppy can explain to you if you call him sometime. But uh, it, it is that intimate relationship between the bride and the bridegroom referring to a wedding when um, the engagement would be set and as soon as everything was in order whatever day that was the groom would show up at the bride's house and say we're getting married today they would take her back to the new house they would consummate the marriage and that's the way that those ancient uh, uh, wedding ceremonies took place and we see that picture here as well with the knocking and the entrance
0: god is faithful Uh, christ is the bridegroom we are the bride believers we are often unfaithful because of our sin and at the end of stanza two there is this longing to stay faithful Grant, Lord, that I now receive you, that I never more will leave you. That's an exhortation to faithfulness, right, Pastor?
1: It, it certainly is. Um, now that we, and I love the word receive here. Uh, because reception, you know, if you're a football receiver, the only way you get the ball is if it's thrown your direction, right? Uh, it's not something you take for yourself. And this is the same picture here. We receive Christ; He comes to us, and as a result, uh, we know that He will never leave us nor forsake us.
0: Okay, we uh, we've got eight stanzas of this hymn that we want to examine as much as possible, plus the uh, Wolfmuller hymn cruncher at the end. So let's move on to stanza three. Do you want to read those words?
1: Yeah. He who craves a precious treasure, neither cost nor pain will measure, but the priceless gifts of heaven God to us has freely given. Though the wealth of earth were proffered, none could buy the gifts here offered. Christ's true body for you riven, and His blood for you once given. It always seems like those last two lines are being set up by the first
0: part of the hymn, and then the last two lines is where the the real powerful theology doctrine is uh, presented to us, and it's it's the same with this one right here. Um, you crave a precious treasure. We've talked about this treasure before, you know. With Johann Frank. Yeah. Yes. And uh, the sin um, in us makes us think that all these things in the world are valuable, but no matter how much you pay, you can't pay the treasure, the priceless gifts that God freely gives us. There is, uh, there is no cost because... Christ has paid it all. Pastor?
1: Isn't it kind of crazy to think that the most valuable thing that you will ever come into contact with is given to you freely each week in the divine service when you kneel and take the very body and blood of Jesus Christ uh, to eat and drink for forgiveness of your sins. Uh, That's the most valuable thing in the entire world, and that's what this uh, emphasis on the preciousness of it is again.
0: And that last uh, line there tells us what that gift is. Christ true body for you riven and his blood For you once given. Why is that so important to emphasize that in this hymn that prepares us to receive the Lord's Supper?
1: Yeah, uh, it refers us to this body and blood hanging on the cross on Good Friday, laying dead in the tomb, and rising again on Easter. Um, It's connecting us to the act of atonement on Good Friday with those words. All right, let's listen to Stanza 3, LSB
0: 636. That ending is uh, is just magnificent. It just resounds in my head. Plus, it's such a majestic tune to begin with. Mm-hmm. Christ's true body for you, Riven, and his blood for you once given. And,
1: um, and that, that tune is written by a man named Johann Kruger, uh, just the same time the hymn was written to go with it. And uh, uh, he's another famous person, if you're a Lutheran nerd like me, that you've probably heard of before. <laughs> the uh,
0: stanza four Continues this on, and uh, it is a uh, um, a marvelous also way to uh, continue
1: with our preparation for the Lord's Supper. You want to read stanza four, Pastor? Now in faith I humbly ponder over this surprising wonder. Uh, sorry, surpassing wonder that the bread of life is boundless, though the souls it feeds are countless with the choicest wine of heaven christ's own blood to us is given o oh, most glorious consolation pledge and seal of my salvation now in faith i
0: humbly ponder over this surpassing wonder you know we often talk about the gifts of god as mysteries pastor how would we uh, how would we define the mystery of the lord's supper
1: Well, the mystery part is this, that um, in the smallest crumb of bread that has been consecrated at the altar, the entirety of the living God in Jesus Christ is present. And so first you have the wonder that in the man Jesus Christ, the fullness of God exists. And now you have that body of that that, uh, that God-man, all contained within the bread, so that when you eat it, all of your sins are forgiven, and you're promised eternal life and forgiveness of sins uh, in that act of eating. And that's just the bread, and the same thing, then, is true with the wine. It's just crazy to think about the way that God can do such a complex, miraculous thing in such a simple means, such as bread and wine and the Word. The... Uh... The
0: teaching in uh, reformed or Calvinistic theology said that Jesus was stuck in heaven and that he couldn't be present on many altars at the same time, and that the doctrine of the real presence in the Lutheran church was foolishness. In the next line in stanza four, it says that the bread of life is boundless, though the souls it feeds are countless. How does that nail that uh, false teaching of Calvinism?
1: Well, uh, it's the idea that uh, Jesus does not have um, a location that he's bound to, so Uh, While we're recording this, I am here in the radio station upstairs at Good Shepherd Lincoln, but uh, I cannot be at the same time in more than one location. Jesus doesn't operate by those same rules. His humanity uh, does not govern his divineness in that way, but rather his divinity governs his humanity in the sense that he is able to be where he wishes, when he wishes, how he wishes, and so the fullness of God can be present in, with, and under the bread, and wine, because that's what God says.
0: Stanza 4 teaches us that the bread is the body of Christ and the bread of life. The wine is the blood of Christ. Christ's own blood to us is given. And then it's almost glorious consolation, pledge and seal of my salvation. How is this gift a pledge and seal, Pastor?
1: Well, it's the pledge that we have of a good conscience before God since he has forgiven us our sins since we have partaken in his body and blood. That's the very thing he promises with his words at the time of he institutes the Lord's Supper. Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Take, drink, this is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. Shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Those words are the very pledge that God makes uh, in what he is going to be giving us in the Lord's Supper. And we take him at his word. And at the same time, then, that also, similar with the seal, it keeps us in the faith. It applies God's promises to us so that we are left in the faith.
0: Let's listen to stanza four as we go into our next break. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. We're looking at LSB 636, Soul, Adorn Yourself with Gladness. This is episode 46. When we came back from our break, a little longer intro coming back from our break, we heard stanza five of LSB 636. Pastor, do you want to read those words for us,
1: please? Sure. Jesus source of lasting pleasure, truest friend and dearest treasure, peace beyond all understanding, joy into all life expanding. Humbly now I bow before you, love incarnate I adore you. Worthily let me receive you, and so favored never leave you. We have that
0: uh, that never leave you, that bride, bridegroom, faithfulness kind of imagery there at the line. Here we have the name Jesus. If you've been wondering who we've been talking about so far, we're going to get Jesus as the first word in uh, not only stanza five, but also six and eight jesus source of lasting pleasure truest friend and dearest treasure the contrast here between the pleasure and treasure of the world and the pleasure and treasure that Jesus brings.
1: Yeah, and I think we mentioned that idea just a little while ago that the best thing, the most valuable thing, the most important thing that we actually have in this world is Jesus, and we need to make sure that that is in the right order, and that is really uh, an idea brought about by the first commandment that we should fear, love, and trust God above all things, and that means all things, and that's the idea here.
0: The uh, even the Beatles said uh, the best things in life are free, but they had something else completely in mind. Jesus is the one that is a true treasure and a true uh, lasting pleasure, because He brings next lines peace beyond all understanding, joy into life expanding. And now, humbly now, I bow before you. Pastor, uh, th- there are a lot of people, when they receive the Lord's Supper, if for one reason or another, um, you know, maybe they have a health issue, maybe they have bad knees or hips, and they can't kneel or bow before the uh, reception of the Lord's Supper, how, how is this more than just a physical thing? How is this an attitude of the heart?
1: Yeah, it's the idea of reverence that we talk about in many of our episodes and many other shows as well. The idea that we are allowing God to be God and allowing us to be his creation and his uh, His beings, if you will. We don't put ourselves into the position of God. We don't swap things around and put ourselves higher than we ought to. We actually uh, subjugate ourselves in faith to god and i'm trying to say that the right way i'm not sure that's the right way but that's as close as i can do
0: yes uh, bowing is not only a physical act but it's also an act of humble reverence and awe before the creator redeemer and sanctifier love incarnate i adore you that love incarnate theme has been uh several places already but uh When we talk about love incarnate, what are we talking about with that word incarnate or incarnation?
1: Uh, When we talk about love incarnate, we're talking definitely about Jesus here again, who is uh, love itself. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave himself as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, a propitiation, if you will.
0: This uh, incarnation, God taking on flesh and blood, and it is that same flesh and blood that we eat and drink in the Lord's Supper, crucified and risen for us. The last thing, Pastor, in uh, stanza five, worthily let me receive you. We've talked about this in the past. Refresh our our memories. What does it mean to be a worthy recipient of the Lord's Supper?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, it means to have faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. That's the way that we uh, say it in the catechism. And it is also then reflecting uh, Paul's own words in the book of 1 Corinthians, when he says, um, you need to acknowledge the reality of what's going on here, examine yourselves, uh, and that the body and blood of jesus are really present here for you when you come to the lord's supper and this is really key he says uh, the reason that some of you are sick and maybe even dying uh, is because you have not done that and this is first corinthians uh is it eleven twenty seven or ten twenty-seven. no it's it's 11 it's 20,
0: 20, 23 to 26 and that's that's one of the passages that's listed here for us as well Oh, there you go um Pastor, let's move on to
1: stanza six. You want to read those words, please? Sure. Jesus, son of life, my splendor. Jesus, friend of friends most tender. Jesus, joy of my desiring. Fount of life, my soul inspiring. At your feet I cry, my maker. Let me be a fit partaker of this blessed food from heaven, for our good your glory given. I love
0: these verses, these stanzas of communion hymns that teach us that it is important not only to prepare to receive the Lord's Supper, but a worthy reception is necessary, faith in the words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, because you can eat and drink Christ's body and blood in an unworthy or unfit manner Uh, if you didn't know this hymn was about Jesus by the time you get to stanza six Jesus son of life my splendor Jesus friend of friends most tender Jesus joy of my desiring kind of reminds us of another hymn there and then font of life my soul inspiring we have all of these marvelous marvelous descriptors of Jesus and then it's At your feet I cry, my maker. Why are we crying at the feet of Jesus?
1: Well, uh, we're falling down before him, calling him my Lord and my God, uh, just as uh, happens in Scripture in several places. When people realize who Jesus is, they fall down in worship before him because they realize he is God in the flesh, and that's a a key part of our worship as well.
0: Yes, and at the the, uh, name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and uh, they will bow either with uh, tears of terror— and horror at the final judgment, or here we're we're crying tears of joy because of all these wonderful things that Jesus is and is giving to us right here. It's not just some um, ethereal kind of... uh, Description of God, the one who is the son of life, friend of friends, joy of my desiring, who inspires my soul, is coming to me to gladden my soul. He's dressing me with the robe of righteousness. And then we have this this prayer at the end. Let me be a fit partaker of this blessed food from heaven for our good, your glory given. Christ is for us and not against us. Isn't that what we celebrate in the Lord's Supper, Pastor?
1: It is, uh, over and over again. We hear that in the words of Scripture, and uh, we actually receive that. Think about it, that uh, Christ is giving himself for us to eat and drink, that we might not die. That's a pretty amazing and huge gift for us to consider.
0: Amen, amen, amen. Let's listen to stanza 6, LSB 636. That was stanza six of LSB 636, Soul Adorn Yourself with Gladness. Um, the This hymn just keeps getting bigger and better and bigger and better. It's building to a crescendo. And for my money, stanza seven is the most important stanza in this hymn. It is the most theologically powerful. Uh, significant power packed it is by far my favorite verse in this hymn Uh, pastor do you want to read those words
1: yeah lord by love and mercy driven you once left your throne in heaven on the cross for me to languish and to die in bitter anguish, to forego all joy and gladness, and to shed your blood in sadness. By this blood redeemed and living, Lord, I praise you with thanksgiving.
0: I think we could uh, teach people to memorize this verse of this hymn, and they would pretty well know everything they need to know with regard to the doctrine and practice of the Lord's Supper. Uh, Lord, by love and mercy driven, why did Jesus do this
1: for us? Uh, Yeah, it's completely out of mercy. All this he does out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any worthiness or merit in me. And I know I'm using the uh, creed out of place here a little bit, but that's the truth.
0: And uh, this is not about a purpose-driven life that we should live. Christ is driven by his love and mercy for us. You once left your throne in heaven. There's another reference to the incarnation. And why did he do it? Not just to prove he could. On the cross for me to languish, and to die in bitter anguish. Jesus suffered and died on the cross for me, for me. How how great is that good news for me. He forgoes joy and gladness and shed his blood in sadness. How is that a beautiful picture, Pastor of what actually happened when darkness covered the land on Good Friday.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, you see the sadness of the entire creation as the God who makes it dies in order to forgive it. Uh its sin, to pour out its life, uh, God's life and and his blood, so that uh, we might be forgiven. Uh, It's a crazy idea to think about and uh, perhaps even a little foolish, even uh, foolish if you don't understand the gospel, and yet it is the reality. The very Son of God gave himself so that we might be forgiven.
0: By this blood, redeemed and
1: living. That's me. By his blood,
0: uh, that I receive in the Lord's Supper, I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I am living not only now, but I have eternal life. And for that, for all which it is my duty, To thank and to praise, Praise, serve and obey. Serve and obey. What a marvelous, marvelous uh, testimony there! We don't have enough time in this segment to listen uh, in its entirety to stanza seven. We will, when we come back from our break, we will play stanza seven. Don't change that dial. This is at home in your (laughs) home. Okay. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal. Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, what we heard coming back from our break, a magnificent verse from a magnificent hymn, Soul Adorn Yourself with Gladness, LSB 636. That was stanza seven. Stanza seven. Lord, by love and mercy driven, you once left your throne in heaven. On the cross, for me to languish and to die in bitter anguish, to forego all joy and sadness and to shed your blood in sadness by this blood. Redeemed and living Lord, I praise you with thanksgiving. Magnificent words, and I pray that that would be the confession of all who are listening to this program as well. Uh, Pastor, in uh, the bottom right-hand corner of the uh, left page page, LSB 636, there are several Bible passages that are listed. Uh, we've talked about uh, the Isaiah, the Revelation, the 1 Corinthians 11 section. But there are several verses there from John 6 that are referred to. Uh, John 6, 35. John 6, 48 to 51. John 6, 57 and 58 all of this bread of life imagery are you uh, are you prepared to read those John 6 passages for us
1: sure uh John 6:35 Jesus said to them I am the bread of life whoever comes to me shall not hunger whoever believes in me shall never thirst and then go on to verse 48 48 to 51 I am the bread of life your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And then down to 57. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum.
0: Jesus is teaching us that he is the bread of life that comes down from heaven. He is the incarnate Son of God. He is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And as we eat his flesh and drink his blood, We have everlasting life. It is a direct reference to faith. And by extension, we can apply that uh, at least. It's not the words of institution, but we can apply it, especially the imagery here, to the Lord's Supper. Pastor, we've got one more stanza to go here. Do you want to read stanza 8 of LSB 636?
1: Jesus, bread of life, I pray you. Let me gladly here obey you. By your love I am invited, be your love with me, love requited. By this supper let me measure, Lord, how vast and deep love's treasure. Through the gift of grace you give me, as your guest in heaven receive me.
0: What uh, What is this uh, closing prayer, almost a, um, a post-communion collect ty- kind of uh, stanza here, um, where we're praying and and then let me gladly here obey you. What uh, what kind of obedience are we talking about here, Pastor?
1: Well, this is great because uh, this is one of the places where Jesus actually does give a command. He says, "Take, eat. This is my body." Take take, drink, this is my blood of the New Testament shed for you. And so when we are uh, doing those things in the Lord's Supper, in that sense, we are obeying the command of Jesus. Now, not that we're saved because of our obedience, rather we're saved because the gift that uh, we're given is so great, but that's the way that we're being obedient there.
0: And uh, it goes on, it says, by this supper, let me measure, Lord, how vast and deep love's treasure. How, how deep is the Lord's treasure? When will it
1: run out uh you know we have another hymn that talks about this oh love how deep how broad how high uh and uh, the idea is is that it's so big we can never comprehend it it will never run out it will never dissipate or end uh it is the the true greatest gift ever Now, as your guest in heaven
0: receive me, and then the previous line, through the gift of grace you give me. So is this talking about me ascending into heaven spiritually as I eat and drink Christ's body and blood? Or is this talking about going to heaven when I die?
1: Uh, It's not talking about us ascending into heaven. Rather, maybe the way to think about it is, Heaven is on earth when we are partaking in the Lord's Supper, in the divine service, in the things happening in the church with the word and the sacraments. We are partaking of a foretaste of that great heavenly feast. We're participating in heaven before we're actually there. And so, yes, it is heaven that is to come, but it's also heaven right here, right now in the divine service.
0: Amen. Um, just uh, just a little bit of brief history in uh, the Lutheran hymnal, TLH. Uh, this hymn is hymn uh, 305, and all nine stanzas are included. There were some uh, translation things that were done. Uh, The nine stanzas were reduced to six stanzas in L.W. Lutheran Worship, 239, and uh, Yaroslav Vida. uh, And again, when you're translating hymns and you want to have poetic language, it's not always a word-for-word translation. And so some of the uh, stanzas in L.W. 239 are starkly different from what we have here in uh, TLH or LSB. And in LSB, we have uh, the eight stanzas. Uh, the, um, uh, nine stanzas that were originally written are all included in TLH 305. Enough of that history stuff, Pastor. Let's do the hymn cruncher. Um. Point, and this is from Brian Wolfmuller. We uh, shout out not only to him, but also to the Lutheran organist. This is uh, two episodes in a row where we're getting our music uh, off the Internet. It's the only place we can find all eight stanzas of this hymn available for us. Number one is Jesus Mentioned.
1: Uh, Yes, Jesus is mentioned. Uh, In fact, we have that great verse that we talked about where uh, verse six, Jesus, son of my life, Jesus, friend of friends, Jesus, joy of my desiring. Uh, We have Jesus, source of lasting pleasure. We have Jesus, bread of life. We have uh, Jesus uh, mentioned specifically in those places. We also have him mentioned in uh, idea in other verses as well.
0: Number two, clarity. Is the song clear,
1: sentences, or only fragments? Uh, it is very poetic, and yet I think the ideas still are clear if you take the time to look at it very carefully. And clearly, it's not uh, a mashed-up jumble of just uh, those poetic words and, and, and phrases, but it does carry a theology in that as well. Number three,
0: mysticism. Is the th- song about things God has done or my own emotions and experiences?
1: It is about what God has done, but it also, I think, leaves room to acknowledge the emotions that we have as we come into contact with the gifts that Christ freely gives.
0: Number four, law and gospel. Does the song proclaim law
1: in its sternness and the gospel in its sweetness? I think it does. Uh, we talked at the very first uh, verse about the gloomy haunts of sadness. We talked about uh, the challenges of this world and how in response to those things, Jesus gives us the priceless gifts of heaven, for example. Uh, and so I think we do have a clarity in that as well.
0: And finally, number five, with the Wolfmuller Hymn Cruncher, is there any explicit false teaching? No. Okay, so uh, now we have the uh, Poppy Moline rating system, which uh, is far less important than the uh, Wolf Bueller Hymn Cruncher. But on a scale of 1 to 10, Pastor, where are you going to put this?
1: I think I'd give this one a 9.
0: Yeah, and uh, Pastor, I'm going to give this one a 9.9 Uh, We know that it is somewhat limited in its scope because it is a hymn to prepare for the Lord's Supper. But quite frankly, we could sing this hymn at any point in the worship service, um, especially during the confession and absolution part. And uh, I'm going to rate it 9.9 just on verse 7 alone. (laughs) <laughs> uh, that uh, stanza seven and uh, it is it is that good that powerful that clear with regard to the cross and empty tomb um, delivered to us in with and under bread and wine the very body and blood of Jesus for forgiveness life and salvation uh, you you want to you want to fight you want to debate me on that Pastor?
1: no I mean I, th- I think we're in the same area um, essentially not wanting to give it the perfect score because we know there's really good hymns out there that maybe would be a little bit better, but uh, it's so good that, uh, you know, it's hard to to put it down. Uh, It's it's a great hymn. You should learn it, memorize it, study it, um, and uh, it'll help you learn the theology of the Lord's Supper and what we're receiving and uh, help us focus on receiving Christ
0: I thought one of, the, uh, one of the beautiful things with uh, the Lutheran organist where we got it off of YouTube is that on those last two verses, the, the bass that he was playing uh, on the organ, it was just pounding and pounding and pounding, building to that crescendo that is the good news of the gospel jesus christ for you for me and for the life of the world pastor we do want to listen to stanza eight as we close our program today this has been episode 46 of at home in your hymnal you can check us out at, and the archives of all the other programs thecross957.org your
1: parting shot on lsb 636 uh you know i think again we see how wonderful Johann frank is and just pointed out he's a politician. He's not a a theologian at all, and I think that uh, it's truly a great thing here. All
0: right, let's listen now as we conclude our program to Stanza 8 of LSB 636. Thanks for joining us. God's richest blessings in Christ.